it's the True Achievements Podcast. On today's show... Dropping now. Stand by for Titanfall. We finally get to talk about the game everyone's playing. Virtual Insanity. Is Oculus Rift the future for gaming? Ezio no! Jay rants all over Assassin's Creed 3. Is Rayman legendary? We discuss the budget Xbox One title. All this and more on your beer guzzling, controller throwing, wife insulting True Achievements podcast. Welcome everyone to the True Achievements Podcast for Marpril. It's not nice. March, it's not April, <laughs> it's Marpril. Uh, so we're here to talk about games, all the cool stuff that's happening around True Achievements. Uh, joining me as always, we have Michelle. Say hello, Michelle. Hello. Still not going to give it to me, are you? No. Alright. And the guy you all really want to hear from, we have Rich, otherwise known as TA. Go ahead, say hello, Rich. Hello, Rich. Yay! Oh. Rich indulged my no. joke! Does oh, that mean man. we don't have to hear it again? No, yeah. it's, it's this... I will take a joke and I will beat it into the ground. Um, <laughs> like MySpace, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely like that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am OCU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Uh, we'll be hosting. And let's just jump right into it. It's been several weeks, far too long. We've all been incredibly busy as the podcast Sorry. crew, so uh, big things are happening all across the site that we can't quite tell you about right now, but stuff is happening, and it's totally cool, happening. and we've been really busy. So why don't we jump in? Um, ladies first, Michelle, what have you been playing over the past, like, forever? Uh, wow. Uh, I've actually pretty much only been playing my Xbox One, uh, so I didn't think I'd be one of those people who would get the one and then set my 360 aside with all the backlack I have, but I haven't turned it on since Titanfall, um, which is the big thing I've been playing over the last month. Lots of Titanfall. Jay, we've played together on a couple of occasions. Yes. Um, tons of fun, and we'll talk more about that a little later. I think we're going to spend some time on Titanfall since all of us spent some time with that. Uh, I've been playing Just Dance 2014 uh, on the Xbox One. Also, lots of fun. You could see how much... Like, you can really tell how far the Kinect technology has come, having played mm. 2014 on the 360 and on the One. Um, just in how well it scans, how well it sees you. Um, if you have other people playing, it doesn't lose yeah. other people as you move back and forth. It remembers. So can I moving. ask, um, on the mm-hmm. 360 version, how many people can play at once? Four. And yeah. does it track all four at once? On the 360 version, yeah. But on the One, it's six. Now, I haven't tried with six yet. Um, but they actually specially mark all the songs that have six players on the one version because it's. I've seen a demo deal. of Connect with six people, and it was it was flawless. Yeah, it was very very impressive. That's what I've played it with three, um, and you know, one of the people's always a small child, and playing on the three sixty, the three sixty will constantly lose him if you get too close to the mm. couch. It'll start scanning the couch and thinking the couch is a player, and it gets all sorts of confused. 
the one just it's not playing any games <laughs> so it knows who's who and and if players cross in front of each other you're still the blue guy and the other guy's still the that's green the guy. impressive thing isn't it absolutely it, it's the 3d now what i think is really interesting is i have my my one hooked up with my connects and everything and my wife is mm-hmm. now moved down to north carolina so we're together and whenever i'm sitting on the couch you know i'm scanned in and then she's scanned in under her id but randomly it will log her in when she's not even around which I think is like, oh, that's, eh, that's kind of strange. Like, is there a spot on the couch that it thinks is my wife? Is it <laughs> the way I'm sitting? So it's it's really random. Have you got a full-size cardboard cutout that you keep by your side? Listen, when Rich, my personal time is my personal time. I don't know you know that. Yes, sorry. a couple months, sorry, right? You can, we so. can talk about this right. after we finish. Um, but go on, Michelle. You, yeah, uh, the... Connect. Dan- Just Dance 2014. Yeah, and... Keeping with the Connect theme, I've also uh, gotten back to Xbox Fitness lately, which is actually awesome now that I'm in a space that's lit properly so I can get the most out of it. Um, and I just started but did not spend too much time with Connect Sports Rivals. Um, I know there were a lot of issues. I've read a lot of folks who had issues, and Rare has said that they've been updating the game daily to address a lot of them. I did not play enough to run into any of them. What I will say with Connect Sports Rivals, the only thing that's a little disappointing to me is the so far, and I'm just playing through the team mode, which is essentially the game's campaign, um, the sports aren't as challenging as, like, football was. Um, rock climbing is a lot of, you know, moving your arms up and down. Uh, wave racing, you're kind of just squatting and leaning to one side or the other. So I don't feel as much activity actually playing Connect Sports Rivals as I did with the others, which is a little disappointing. Um, but definitely the tracking and all that, so far what I've experienced has been great. And the voice recognition is really good too. Have you been playing that on your own? Uh, yes. Or with, with other people? I have not okay. actually played so it. So it is playable as a single player experience? Yes, absolutely. And okay. as you finish uh, levels, you'll get kind of like three recommended things you can do next. And almost always one of them is a two-player thing. Uh, but I, right. I just haven't had try, a Try and find someone to play with. Well, It must I... get quite depressing after a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone. So many challenges and such. If you look at... So another game I've been playing is Rayman Legends. That's the other mm-hmm. one title, um, which is amazing. Love Rayman Legends. Um, but they have challenges, the 10 challenges, and a lot of them don't track properly. They clearly have some problem with tracking when people complete paintings. So several of the challenges have not been completable, which is very frustrating because I wanted to get everything in it. Um, but there's one for playing with, uh, you know, there are a couple for finishing X number of paintings with a friend or playing Kung Foot, which is a game you play locally. And you could see, if you look on TA, the tracking is so much smaller on those <laughs> because people yeah. just don't have friends they play with locally. Um so I, but so I, I've played Rayman Legends mm-hmm. as well, and um, I've never been more frustrated playing a game. I think. <laughs> oh in my wait, life. Rich, wait until we still, talk about I what did, I've been I playing. Did... We talk about frustration. <laughs> <laughs> I did finish it in the end. Well, I say finish it. I got, I got through the final level. Okay. Um, uh, which have you, have you done that? I yeah, I've got. I have all the achievements. There's one stage specific one I'm missing. And then I'm just missing a million lums and the oh level those are 14. ridiculous. So I'm, I'm yeah. Well, I've got so you played the final. So um, is it? I can't remember what it's called now. But there's an achievement specifically for doing that last level, and it's a sort of com- combination mm-hmm. of the final levels from all the other sections. Mm-hmm. And the camera does some crazy things when you're playing it, right. so that you can't see what's happening a lot of the time, and you have to memorize 
the entire track. So it's it's one of the ones where it's um, you're, you're running along to music and you have to right. run as fast as you can and you have to time every jump. Um, but quite a lot of the time the camera's doing crazy things or it's gone 8-bit and you can't see what's <laughs> happening or it's gone completely black and you can literally see nothing. Or there's like... The, the screen cuts into like 64 yeah. tiny screens. The very last and your, your character is ridiculously like 120 small. fractions. <laughs> I can't yeah. see Yeah, and you're like trying to time jumps. You're just stuff. on instinct it is at ridiculous. that point. Honestly, it was the most frustrating. But it was a big achievement at the end of it, I think. I actually, I didn't, I think I got that on my second or third try. I actually didn't do bad oh, on that you. one. Because I, think, <laughs> I, well, I think what it is, is if, if you're playing, our typical input when we're playing games, right, is visual. We're looking at what's happening. Each yeah. one of the stages in Rayman Legends, if you haven't played it, it's music-based. So while there is the visual component, you have to jump, you have to kick, you're really trying to hit your buttons in tune to the music that's playing. And I think you have that's to That's true, but sometimes your button off, is jump, and right, sometimes like, it's punch, and sometimes it's Right, exactly. One. So when, when that visual portion of the game gets screwy to you, you have to turn off the part of you as a gamer that's always looked for a visual cue and just listen to the music. And I, I think if you approached it that way, it's not as bad. It's still very hard, but it's not quite... I, I had more difficulty with like the second or third stage in that final level because it was the static one. And like, yeah. throughout the whole stage... Oh, no, I'm, I, I had frustrating throughout the entirety of the game <laughs> but that that was one particular level that stuck out in my mind as being so crazy um but yeah i did enjoy it but i it was you know literally um controller crushingly frustrating at times. i did throw it actually literally threw it oh around my goodness a of which is very you know unlike that, quite that's... chilled uh, that's a situation though where you've achieved the achievement, right? Like it really uh, well, earned yes, its name, <laughs> and then you immediately true. scanned it to see what the ratio was. I and did. Everything yeah. was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I knew the ratio because I'd already been studying it for the past <laughs> three days when I've been trying to get it. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> yeah, this but, yeah, good game, and um, it was low price, wasn't it? It was um, not full I think price. It was Forty dollars really at launch. Yeah, uh, and you could probably pick it up considerably cheaper now, but I highly recommend it, even though mm-hmm. I, I did get frustrated. Yeah, I I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. If you're a completionist, you ha- you're have you married to the game for a while, um, because the levels, like, you can earn, I think, something like 10 of the game's 14 levels just through natural play, but the rest of the levels just take forever, because you can only do that through the daily and weekly challenges, and it just... You have to be willing to get on every day and do the challenges and try to earn a gold at least because you get more points that way. Um, but if you just want a good, solid platforming experience, you know, achievements be darned, you should go You're in quite, and do yeah. it. it I, it's I, so I, good. Um, but that's it for me. So, um, Rich, if you've been doing something other than Rayman, you can go ahead and let us know. Oh, yeah. right. To be honest, Rayman was a while ago, but it... it... I haven't actually spoken about it on here yet, and it, it was um, worth worth discussing in my mm-hmm. head because it, it, I put a lot of hours into it, um, and a lot of those hours were me literally shouting or throwing things. And, um, <laughs> that's just, just so unlike me that I, I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, I've played quite a lot of other stuff, actually. Um, I carried on playing FIFA 14, um, picked up some more achievements in that. Pretty much nearly finished that. I think they've only got five achievements left in the whole game now. Um, nice. And... This week I got um, the 2014 FIFA World Cup game, which is bizarrely only on 360. They haven't released uh, an Xbox One version. And I remember when I played FIFA 14 um, on both Xbox One and Xbox 360 at Gamescom last year, I didn't really notice a massive difference between them, Mm -hmm. apart from I thought that they had slowed down 
the 360 version a bit, which I thought they might have done on purpose to make the Xbox One version look feel <laughs> feel slicker. However, having gone back to a 360 FIFA game, I don't know whether it's the fact that I've now played FIFA 14 for quite a lot on the Xbox One, but this feels like a five-year-old game. It feels really clumsy. The animations don't look very good, and the gameplay's very simple. Uh, the commentary's not great. Um, I've only played it for about 40 minutes, but I wasn't very impressed with what I played so far, um, which is a real shame because the previous World Cup, obviously the four years, um, uh, was the 2010 one, and I felt that was a fantastic edition of FIFA, and it was probably one of my favourite FIFA games ever. So I don't really understand the logic between not releasing this on Xbox One, because um, really it's just the same. I would game. think it has to do with install base, because World Cup obviously has a very big worldwide appeal, yeah. and I imagine a lot of the big countries might not even have Xbox One in their markets yet, so they probably felt they could move more copies on the th- if they just put it on 360. FIFA in the UK is it's always the number one game when it comes You're out right. for probably two or three months. So just in the UK alone, you'd assume that there'd be a decent... Mm-hmm you know, a decent market for it, but maybe I'm... Well, and FIFA sells it really well in the United States, too, because as much as Americans are kind of lukewarm to soccer slash football, the FIFA games are usually incredible, and even people who don't maybe even just casually follow soccer will pick up the FIFA game. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be an expert on, um, or even a fan of a game to... Like, I, I love the Tiger Woods games, but I don't... There's probably two golf things that I watch in the whole year. Hmm. Right. Um, I won't watch it on TV, but I love the game. So I'm not sure it's ne- that necessarily um, tied together. So yeah, so FIFA World Cup, disappointment from what I've seen so far, but I will put some more time into it. Um, I, I had, I'd had Battlefield 4 sitting around on Xbox One for a long time. Um, I actually went through and finished it, the single-player campaign anyway, um, over the last month. And that was very enjoyable. Um, I actually preferred Call of Duty Ghosts' campaign, but I still enjoyed the Battlefield 4 one. Did you play Battlefield um, 4 online at all? Like, there have been all sorts of I issues did. with that, no? I did. I didn't. I, I didn't play the online until probably most of the patches had been out. I have. I okay. have this, the problem is, I, I got a load of games when Xbox One came in. I just didn't have time to play them all. So I've still got Tomb Raider in its cellophane as well upstairs that I need. To, and um, the Lego game that came out at launch as well. I haven't started. Uh, Marvel superheroes, so. right? Yes, exactly. I've got those set upstairs waiting to be played. Um, so yeah, this one just took a backseat, but by the time I started playing it, the, I think all the problems was fixed. Um, cause I certainly didn't have any problem playing online, Okay. but I didn't put enough, enough time into it to really appreciate the online, but I did enjoy the single player. I also picked up South Park stick of truth. So I have been, unlike you, Michelle, I've been dipping back into my 360 a little bit this, this uh, month. And, um, I've probably played five hours of this. And I have, I can highly recommend it. it the comedy is fantastic. Um, I laughed out loud probably for the first time ever playing a game, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I laughed consistently for the first few hours. So um, very good. Uh, the combat annoyed me a little bit, but I'm not an RPG fan, as you all know. Um, and it's a turn-based combat system, um, admittedly with some funny special moves, as you can probably imagine. Uh, a lot of toilet humor going on, um, but yeah, uh, I lost a little bit of interest when I coming up um, against opponents and having to do battles and stuff because it is slightly tedious the turn-based stuff. But generally, the gameplay is very funny. Walking around um, the town of of uh, South Park is wicked to actually see the the town laid out 
because obviously when you watch the cartoon, you just see sort of little bits of it in different places. But being able to walk from the school to people's houses um, is just very cool. And I've played a couple of Windows Phone games uh, thrown together and Microsoft Bingo on Windows 8. Both Bingo! Discuss, uh, <laughs> both of which are, are not worth talking about. And this week I picked up Trials Fusion, which is fantastic. I'm a big fan of the Trials games. Um, motorbike uh, game, arcade uh, on Xbox One. Looks amazing. Um, just amazing. It, the physics is ridiculous. Um, you'll, you'll think, you'll have a jump that you'll think is impossible and then you'll be able to shift your body weight on the bike and clear it comfortably after 50 goes of not being able to do it. You'll, the, you'll finally get the right timing of the lean correct and you'll get across the, the gap and it is uh, it is fantastic. I'm over 50% through now. Um, I've only got six achievements though because some <laughs> of the achievements is, that still haven't been unlocked yet and we, what, we four, five days since it came out. There are some very interesting looking Easter eggs. It has currently got a TA of 5,000, just Jeez, literally wow. just under and it's been out a while and it's an arcade game so, you know, it's not... Well, you so you bought it hours. digital then, right? Because yes. you could buy a retail disc that had the uh, has the season pass in it. Oh, okay, right? I didn't that's know an that. option. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's. I think so. I'm pretty sure they released it both ways. So it's forty dollars if you buy it that way, ah, or so you that's can a spend twenty dollars so um, for the arcade and yeah, it was sixteen pounds in the UK. But I'd highly recommend oh, okay. that. I've I've already feel like I've got thirty pounds worth out of it just in the ten hours I've played so far. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, massively play if you've got people around it's the perfect game because you can just you know you have a go and you can just hand the controller over to the next person and they can have a go it's um very playable in that way so yeah i've played quite a lot actually in the last time and i I had to go at braid for the achievement challenge uh which will probably come on to later and titanfall right (laughs) um like you rich i've been playing a lot of really different stuff so i bought my xbox one I got the Titanfall bundle. Yay! Hooray! Uh, so the day I got my Xbox One was the day they had that outage, the service outage for like six hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I got my Xbox One set up, and um, it downloaded the update, and then I sat there for like several hours, like three hours plus, just waiting for Xbox Live to come on so I could download Titanfall. It finally came up around like 11.30 p.m. local time for me. So I basically just scanned in the code, Started it down downloading and went to bed, and then I played it the next afternoon. When I got home. Oh, that's sad. so presumably that was Titanfall launch day. Yes, that was Titanfall that launch yes. day. That's why Xbox Live was down. Yeah, because I got I got caught in that too. I couldn't play the first night. Like I, I had my Xbox hooked up in a different room. I played it. Everything was great. I moved it, and then when I logged back in, I couldn't access anything anymore. But Microsoft wound up sending me a free week yep, of me too. gold. Did they oh, do that for you too? Yep. Okay, so they did. That do some kind of compensation if you got caught up and i don't know how they decided like who they were sending that to and who not because it, it, it wasn't like a blanket thing like when they had that issue years ago where xbox went down like seven years ago xbox live was bad for a couple days they gave everyone undertow mm-hmm. yeah they, i remember that end of month yeah free live. Th- that was right when i joined xbox live so i was like oh this is always how it runs it's kind of crappy <laughs> but whatever um <clears throat> they're giving me free games for it that's cool uh, but with this, I don't know how they targeted who they gave that to, because I know they didn't give it to everyone, but I'm, I'm glad to hear they got you too. Yep. Uh, so we will obviously talk more about Titanfall here in a couple of minutes. Um, other things I've been playing, 
Uh, I've played uh, episode two of season two of The Walking Dead. Um, the review is on the site. I won't talk about spoilers, but I think I liked that episode less than a lot of the other people who reviewed it. And uh, I have reasons for that. I just mm. don't, I don't feel attached to any of these new characters yet. And really, I found them all kind of just not great. <laughs> And I feel like that's a game where you need to be invested in the characters to really be invested in the game. So I felt exactly the same way. I was um, I was more into episode one, and yeah. then I sort of realized actually I don't care about any of these people either. <laughs> By the end of episode, two. but I really thought they did a great but job uh, at the end of episode two, setting up episode three. So now I really want to play episode three. Um, but some of the really quote-unquote, important decisions you have to make towards the end of episode two, I was very much, yep, I don't care about these people. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what So there was that. I also played um, the Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea episode two DLC, which I also reviewed for the site, uh, reviews up. Uh, I really, really dug it. It's really good. Uh, I think I gave it a five out of five, because if you own Bioshock Infinite, you should absolutely play... Burial at Sea 1 wasn't as good, but Burial at Sea 2 more than made up for it um, because it did a really nice job of reestablishing how the whole universe of Bioshock is connected and it had just really great story and they they did enough to change the mechanics of playing as Elizabeth to make it feel really fresh. Uh, So I really enjoyed it a lot. I think shortly after that, um, I I was in charge of writing the TA Top 5 for DLCs and I put it in there because out of all the DLC... That's been released for the Xbox 360. I thought it definitely deserved a place as one of the best. And I hope that I feel that way like a year down the road when I look back at that list and and invariably (laughs) feel like I was an idiot about something. Well, do you feel that some of your opinion and fondness toward it might be colored by the fact that this might be the last time we see the Bioshock universe in this way? Sort of, but not really. Um, And and there's two thoughts. One, yes, this is probably going to be the last... Time, or this is definitely the last time Irrational is going to be working with Bioshock. However, 2K owns the franchise. 2K knows how much money this franchise is capable of making, especially if you take it out of Irrational and away from Ken Levine, who Ken Levine is a genius. He's wonderful. But if you read any of the stories, there was actually a really great story on Eurogamer this week about the story behind the original Bioshock and how working with Ken can be a little challenging and he's known for scrapping entire sections of a game after it's almost done. So moving it away from Irrational into a different studio without that type of um, oversight and putting it under a different type of leadership could lead to more Bioshock, but it won't be by that same team. So I'm pretty confident we're going to see more from that franchise, but it'll just be a different team handling it. Um, That being said, you could really tell, I think I mentioned this in the review, that the team at Irrational put a lot of work and a lot of love and care into crafting this because they knew they might not have known they, they wouldn't be working at Irrational anymore, but they knew this would be the last thing they would be doing with Bioshock Infinite. And you could really feel how they put a lot of a, a lot of thought and a lot of care and a lot of love into that work. So it, it really shone through. I really enjoyed it. Um, I started XCOM The Bureau Declassified, uh, which... I think um, Manside brought this up. He he helps or he does a lot of the deals, the TA deals alerts on Twitter, and it was for cheaper than ten bucks from the Microsoft Store, including free shipping. Wow. So I bought that, and I, I'd been interested in that game since it was revealed several years ago. I think X, the Xbox official Xbox magazine 
made it a cover story and did a feature on it. And it was described as like Mass Effect like. And I'm like, well, I'm totally going to buy this now. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't buy it when it launched. It got kind of lukewarm reviews. Uh, it was one that I kind of had my eye on. And then I saw it for that price. And I'm like, yeah, I got to play this. So I played but maybe the first two hours of it. Uh, and it's good. I have some technical concerns with it right now. But I'm definitely looking forward to playing more of that. Um, and then uh, I have two other types of game I want to talk about. So my wife uh, recently moved back down here into North Carolina. So we're in the same place again, which is fantastic. Uh, but she's now working from home. So if I ever have a day off of work during the week or get home early, I have to be quiet in our tiny apartment so she can work. So I've recently begun playing games on mute. <laughs> So the first game I played on mute was Defense Grid The Awakening, uh, which was one of the games with gold titles several months ago. So I completed that, got all the achievements. That was a good game to play on mute because you really don't need the sound on it. Um, and then I started playing Diablo 3 again. I have two achievements left um, to get in Diablo 3. One is the earn 5 million gold achievement, which is going to take forever. Uh, but also to get a hardcore character up to level 30. Uh, for those who don't know uh, yeah. what hardcore is, hardcore basically turns Diablo into something of a roguelike where you have one life and you cannot die because if you die, that character's gone. So I've been through about four or five characters <laughs> since I've started oh, going for this run. Um, the first character I did, I, I was playing it on the normal difficulty. I got to like level 19 and then just randomly out of nowhere, I got swamped by a group of enemies and died. And I was very not happy about, about that. Oh, uh, then I started a character at a higher difficulty, and I was going to be super careful, careful, because when you're at a higher difficulty, you earn more experience, more gold, different loot, all that stuff. I got that character about level 10 and died, and then I tried it again, got that character level 10 and died, and then I cut it back to like the hard difficulty, got their character to like level 12 and died, and finally... <laughs> I started a brand new character. I started a monk yesterday, which I hadn't really played much of the monk. And I've got that character at like level, I think, 15 right now. And I'm playing it on the normal difficulty. And I've started um, playing it a little more tactically now. So if I get really good gear that isn't usable for my character, normally I would just cash that gear out. Either break it down for components to build gear for my character or sell it to get gold. But I've started stashing that away in my exclusive hardcore loot stash so that invariably when I slip up and this character dies, I will have now loot that I can equip this new character with that will give me a little bit of a head start. So I've jumped back into Diablo 3. Um, and then I'm going to go on a rant here. Um, if any of you are my friends on TA or follow my TA blog... You know that I spent a considerable amount of time pre-Xbox One, pre-Titanfall, playing Assassin's Creed 3. Assassin's Creed 3 is a terrible game. <laughs> it is absolutely, horrendously <laughs> bad. And I, my expectations were tempered. I knew it wasn't going to be great. But I am such a history buff, and I really wanted to see kind of the conclusion of the story... I got the game for Christmas. My lovely wife bought it for me. So I was like, yes. <laughs> she hates you. This no, she does not hate me. My <laughs> wife loves me, Rich. Um, she just didn't know. And she knew I wanted this. She knew. Um, I told her. She she contacted me and she said, what game shall I get, Jay? I've been trying to tell him how much I hate him. 
And I said, Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> just wait. Just wait until Daisy gets the toy drum set I bought her. Um, that should be arriving soon, just to let you know. Um, but I took to my TA blog after I'd finished it and wrote an airing of grievances. If you've watched the show Seinfeld, you know there's an airing of grievances with the made-up holiday of Festivus. So I wrote nine, ten things that I hated about Assassin's Creed 3. And I'm going to put it... I'm going to put them succinctly just so I can get this out and then close it on Assassin's Creed 3 and move on. So the controls of Assassin's Creed 3 have degraded to a point where it's virtually unplayable without high degrees of frustration. Um, they really hit the gold standard with Assassin's Creed 2. The controls felt great there, and it's just been falling apart ever since. Um, Connor is one of the most unlikable protagonists of this generation. He is terrible. <laughs> um and he's just so negative, and he never jokes, he never smiles, he never has fun. He doesn't seem to enjoy anything about what he's doing at all. There, there's no enjoyment about that. He's always complaining. If I wanted to be around somebody who did nothing but complain all the time, I would have become a writer. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oops. Um, anyway, that's a joke. Uh, so, yeah, he's absolutely terrible. Each and every one of the game's main story missions gets less and less fun, and attempting to complete them with the optional objectives is something that would make just sadomasochism palatable. It was, it's terrible. Um, my dog hated the game. <laughs> this is my dog hated that game because there are dogs barking mm -hmm. in it. You would hear dogs making noises and my dog would instantly start barking at the TV to express how much he hated that game. Uh, the cutscenes looked amazing, but other facial animations were terrible. The limp stick was terrible. Um, the combat was just unfun. It was so bad. The story had the potential to be amazing, but it's just terrible. The, the Revolutionary War in the United States was an amazingly cool historical time for us. Um, it was the coolest. It was so cool. So much awesome history happened in New England around the American Revolution. You had awesome people like Sam Adams and George Washington and Ben Franklin. They are literally some of the coolest people who've ever lived. And this made them just boring, stodgy placeholders. It was horrible. Um, the ship-based combat... Everyone said how good the ship-based combat was. I think they only thought it was good because the rest of the game was that terrible. <laughs> um, and then Ubisoft once again fell into the trap of adding more crap to this game. There was homesteading, there was caravanning, there was upgrading artisans, there was hunting, there was chasing down trinkets and feathers and pages, and it just made it overwhelming, full of crap, and unfun. This, it was just, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me, because Brotherhood added a little interesting Brotherhood recruitment and mission system, which was Kind of fun. Revelations added the den defense thing, which kind of started to suck, but wasn't terrible. This yeah, was agree. just so much crap just layered into that game. How compelled was it, though? Like, the den defense stuff, I didn't like the den defense stuff in Revelations, but it no, happened, like, either. twice or three. Like, it really wasn't... It, it didn't control any of the gameplay. How much of this additional stuff, or much of the gameplay, I should say, how much of this I, additional stuff yeah. was mandatory... I got through. Quite I got through it. playing the entire main story of the game without having to put, without really doing anything okay. with all of this stuff. However, if you wanted to get the good weapons or cool outfits or anything like that, you needed to like take time to micromanage the, all this you crap. You were still forced to do the the hunting. Oh, yeah. level. You were still forced to do an hour and a half where all the dialogue was in incomprehensible. Just it was just bizarre. The whole. <laughs> 
the whole game was terrible in in a whole number of ways, and I agree with you, Jay. But weirdly, everything I've heard about four is. I've brilliant. heard that too. <laughs> yeah, but so, here's the thing: they poisoned the well for me. I'm not going to play four. I'm not well, going to give any I more said, of my time to it. That's what I said before four came out. That was I was adamant on that, but. So many people have told me how good 4 is that I've, I'm repenting. Now, here's what I've heard and about when, 4. When I have a lull in games. I've heard that 4 is good, except when it makes you do Assassin's Creed stuff. <laughs> like, when it makes you follow people <laughs> or do the missions that make oh. Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed. That's when I hear it's not fun anymore. It's when you're just doing stuff, pirate stuff. I well, hear that it's yeah. good. No, it's Assassin's Creed 3. I know Assassin's Creed has multiple development teams now, because it's on an annual cycle. Like, three and four different development teams? Is this going to become like a modern warfare where people prefer their off-year... Oh. Yeah, did, did Treyarch do three or something? Is that, now, is that what happened? Here's what, here's what <laughs> I think happens, because this is something I didn't mention, but at the end of the game, you have the traditional 25-minute Ubisoft credit sequence, where it shows how every <laughs> studio they have around the world worked on this in it's some involved, way. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they have the Call of Duty thing where there's three new studios each working on their dedicated Call oh, right, of Duty. Three now. Cool. What I think is that they may have one studio leading development, but all of these other studios are supplementing them and helping them out with different things. Right. Mm. Okay. It's just, oh, yeah, I'm done with that franchise. No more. No moss. I'm tapping out. Good for you. Um, but let's... Let's close the door. So you don't want your review copy of Unity? No, no. <laughs> send it to send it to Dave K. Dave K. Does a good job reviewing the <laughs> games. He can review that. Oh game. man, too late. Um, Derek Key, one of those guys. Yes. We do have a couple of Assassin's Creed. You're going to the launch oh, as well. Oh, Here's the thing: if, if Ubisoft wants to fly me to Paris <laughs> to show off Unity, I will totally no, go. No, no, no. That, that, and that opportunity is gone. I, I've just emailed a copy of this MP3. Over to them. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, we are no longer invited. Oh, but is this is this going to impact our ability to get a review copy of Watch Dogs? Because then I'll I'll have to do a lot of backtracking. I might I might I might save editing this till May the twenty eighth. Then this is going to be the Marple Marple podcast, and that's just too much. <laughs> All right, uh, let's shift into uh, what we're going to call our one big game. Um, as I mentioned, kind of in the story announcement that we were going to be recording podcasts this weekend. We're going to do some format changes uh, to try and get this to a podcast where everyone enjoys listening to it and we enjoy talking about it. So uh, every once in a while, there's going to be that one big game that comes out that all of us and everyone is going to play. And this past cycle, that game was Titanfall. Oh, not Microsoft Bingo. Not Microsoft Bingo, (laughs) sorry. Um, It's Titanfall. It's the reason I bought an Xbox One. Uh, All of us have played it. Uh, I wrote the review, the TA review for Titanfall. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, it has some small issues on the Xbox One version, uh, but that didn't stop it from being incredibly fun. Uh, mm. But Michelle, uh, let's start with you. What do you think about Titanfall? Oh, I love Titanfall. Um, and I now you both have played Call of Duty games, right? Like actually gone in and played the multiplayer and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Like a little bit, not much. But yeah, yeah, I wonder how much of my experience with it is colored by the fact that I haven't. Really? Like, I boosted some Call of Duty, mm-hmm. um, and I've played Modern Warfare 2, but I don't have a big history with it, so, you know, I'm kind of going, in, like, this is all a new experience to me. So when people are saying, oh, it's Call of Duty with mechs, I'm like, okay, that's fine, because that's, I haven't really played it that much. Uh, yeah, it has that vibe. It has that feel. Definitely. Okay. And I, I'm like you, Michelle, I played Modern Warfare 
and I played a little bit of Modern Warfare Online, but that's my, my total experience with Call of Duty. Right. Um, so I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to, to t- Titanfall. There I are mean, a lot of unique things with Titanfall that are not in any Call of Duty game before it. Right. And um, like the giant robots that fall <laughs> Yeah, the giant robots. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wall running, double jumping, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, you know, there are a couple things... I, I've obviously played quite a bit of competitive MP. MP. I've played um, Gears of War. I've played Halo. And generally, the more quote-unquote competitive is, it is, the more I hate it because yeah. I can't compete. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a sore loser, but at some point you want to do okay because it makes it fun. Um, totally and agree. I, I've had no trouble with that in Titanfall. And I think it's because the, the Titans are obviously the great equalizer. And now that I've put almost 48 hours into it, I, I barely use the Titan anymore because I've learned how to play the game. But the map design is really fantastic. Yes. And I, I don't know how much you've played around with that. And I think even by the time you wrote your review, Jay, I, I, I wasn't really thinking of the game in that way because it was still so new. But the map design is completely nonlinear. And every time I play, I find a new way to use double jumps and wall jumps and wires to get around yep. and to move more effectively and find another place where I can hide. But you're never that safe because the way the game replays when you kill somebody so they can find you right away. Um, and I think those things stop camping, which yes. makes the game infinitely less frustrating than any NP mm. experience I've played before. It's interesting you... you choose that as the reason why you feel more satisfied for me it's the the ai the enemies that look Hmm. as if they Mm -hmm. could be human but actually they're actually not very good at ai (laughs) and you constantly feel like you're you're killing well you are generally killing killing stuff a lot of the time and um it's not obvious that they're whether they're grunts or they're actual human opponents so for me, that was the that was the thing that made a big difference. Uh, like you, I never felt massively comfortable. I'd have a kill death ratio of sort of uh, one <laughs> kill for every four deaths generally yep. when I was playing online. So not very good. Uh, but this is completely different. You, you know, you constantly feel you, you're achieving things, um, and that it's giving you experience for all sorts of stuff. You mm-hmm. can, especially on the things where the maps where it's um, like a you, your hard point. Um, trying to control hard points you can hang around the hard points you'll be picking up experience and you can just watch out for people Mm -hmm. coming in um and that you know i think there's something for everyone in in a lot of the game modes Mm -hmm. i i definitely agree and i think um also the support for the game has been fantastic like they've they've been so hard point actually is a really good example of that because they felt like they were actually giving too much experience i think when the game launched you were getting 75 experience for every few seconds you were holding a hard point and now it's 25 and they've gone in and they've uh, edited some of the playlists they just uh launched private lobbies where you can't get achievements and you can't work on challenges but you can match up with your friends and you can get in there and play the game together in that environment. So the team's been very, very responsive, which is, and, and that's been the case throughout many of the big first party or exclusive one games, that kind of very routine support has been awesome. Yeah. It feels to me like they're working on it just as much now as it, as they mm-hmm. were before it came out, which if you see what I mean, yeah. it's just constant, constant evolution. And it's good because the one thing I mentioned in my review is just the terrible matchmaking system, how it didn't seem to be skill-based. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually tweeted out a picture of a team that I was matched up against a few weeks ago where I think I'm I'm almost to getting to be third generation, so I've already re-upped once. Um, I'm pretty okay at the game, but I was playing on a team with a bunch of like ones, twos, and threes as far as prestigious. I'm looking at the picture now. I was up against a Gen 10 two Gen 5s, two Gen 3s, and a Gen 9. There was like 
zero <laughs> competitiveness. Uh, yeah, it's weird. They, they seem to do the opposite. They, they put people together that are of a, like on the same team that are on the higher right. levels. That's what I found in the first few But they've months. updated it, so hopefully... I mean, it's, matchmaking takes a little bit longer now, but it, it's more skill-based. Well, they haven't updated every playlist. Right, it's they att- haven't. Attrition and Hardpoint have been updated, because those are the two major game types that people play. Those are the ones you find in campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those are updated now where the teams will ch- change after a few rounds. So they'll they'll reshuffle the teams so that you get better distribution of skill but if you go into like the variety pack or you jump into last titan standing it's still that weird so i i was playing right before we were podcasting today my team was awesome it was like i'm a gen 2 i'm around rank level 48 right now so i'm getting ready to regen and you've caught up with me you caught up with me michelle well for those of you who haven't played it yet not only when you regen not only is it about levels but you have generation specific challenges you have to do so the generation specific challenge i have to do for gen 2 is um 40 millimeter cannon kills with the with the titan and i have to get like eight more titan kills and 78 more people kills with it and then just a couple levels and for every generation you're at you get a multiplier too so a friend of mine is gen 10 going to gen 11 now and his multiplier is like three i think so he gets three times the experience just for playing it so the the amount of time it takes to go from generation to generation gets smaller and smaller but you have to do those generation specific challenges too yeah and that's like the pro tip is anytime you regen check what those gen specific challenges are and start working on those right away because i was kind of like you when i noticed right away that i needed 40 millimeter kills so i automatically made my default titan have the 40 millimeter gun and i didn't switch away from that until i'd gotten those challenges done. yeah i'm just i'm I le- I'm generally big on just using what I'm comfortable with. Like, I don't even care so much yep. about the, the challenges for other weapons. I love the shotgun, so that's what I use. I'm not going to use the pistol and make myself frustrated because I need to get the challenges done. So using the cannon has been tough because I, I just don't like that. I prefer using the triple threat, which is awesome, but not the right thing. So I came to it kind of slowly, mostly because I was being obstinate and not because I didn't know mm-hmm. to do that. But that's absolutely the way to handle it. That's that's actually something that frustrated me when I regen because I didn't realize how much I loved my loadout until it was <laughs> taken away from me. Yeah. And then I was like, I couldn't wait until I got the upgraded SMG and the, I think it's the three-shot, like, medium-distance rifle. I can't remember their names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think, but, it, yeah, losing your loadouts was definitely something that, I was really doing poorly for the first couple of I rounds after that. Regened yet? I'm about halfway through the first. I think I'm level 25 or something mm-hmm. like that. I haven't played it for about four weeks. But um, so all the stuff you earn throughout that period, you lose it all. Do yes. you? Yep. You go except back to your base cards. loadouts. Except for yeah, burn you cards. Keep you keep. Cards. I never really used them very much either. Oh, I use They're burn really cards helpful. all the time. Yeah. Mainly because you earn them so quickly that if you don't use them, you eventually get full. And you can't earn anymore, and that's going to impact your progress towards the achievement to get uh, <laughs> 500 green cards. Yeah, so you can I'm only hold, I think, 26 at a time. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty small number. <clears throat> and there they are, like, I actually, when I got toward the end of Gen 1, when I was, like, level 49, I started dumping any one I had that wasn't an experience boost one. So when I hit my next generation, I had all experience boosting oh, that's smart. burn cards. So I just threw those all in and was getting all this experience bonus. Um so they can be very effective, but 
they also aren't necessary. You can play the game without them. Um, and that's something from a matchmaking point of view that I really like about Titanfall is, yes, you might wind up in a lobby with a whole bunch of Gen 8s, but if they're all level 1 Gen 8s, the advantage they have is they know the maps, but they don't have all those cool loadout mm, yeah. things that they had when they were a level 50 Gen 7 or a level 50 Gen 1 even. So in in those ways, it, the balancing is still generally pretty solid. So I, I, I love Titanfall. It's not a perfect 10. You know, people who get caught caught up on numbers and things. I know Jay, you were having a little issue with like, should you give it a 4.5 or a four, a 4.25 would be perfect. Um, I'm pretty much pretty, I'm hindsight. Now it's been out for a month. I'm very comfortable having given it a 4.5 because mm-hmm. uh, the TA scale is four. The fours are, if you're a fan of this genre, you should play this game. You will like it, but there'll be things that'll keep you from loving it. A five is a game that everyone should play because it's really that good. And I feel like it's kind of right there in that meaty middle that if yeah. if you are even a casual shooter fan, you should absolutely play this game. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. If you are not a shooter fan, you probably aren't, aren't going to like it. But shooter fans right. are going to love it. Do you think? I don't know. I think there's enough in it to draw people in. I mean, just to, I'm going right back to the first half an hour. The the demo, the tutorial yes. level, is, it is so very well done. done. Yeah. Where you're, you're learning how to do everything, you get in the Titan and do all that stuff. I think it's, it's really, really well handled tutorial. Probably one of the best I've ever played. Um, well, and yeah, think, we can talk about the campaign. Which though, we actually have a question about itself, this. Um, we asked for questions, okay. obviously, from the community. We got some really great questions. So hats off to you, community. You you sent us Thank a you. bunch of really good questions this week. So we really like that. Uh, but MDG uh, asked, "How do you guys feel about the absence of an in-depth single-player story in Titanfall?" Do you think it would have been a, an even bigger hit if it would have had a killer and immersing backstory to it, like the likes of, say, a Mass Effect or a Bioshock? Mm. I think it would struggle to have been a bigger hit at all, but I think I might have played it more Yeah, had it have had more of a story. Um, I, I have a kind of a twofold question. It's kind of a, a cheap answer, but my answer is, yeah, I would have enjoyed it more if they would have put more of an effort into story into it, because I'm, I really love a good story. And I mentioned in their view, the story is basically played out in cutscenes and radio chatter that is more yeah. annoying yeah. than informative. But Agreed. on the other side, I think this was an incredibly smart move by Respawn. Uh, they're a small team. They have tons of data about how people played the Call of Duty titles they all worked on. And they noticed that a majority of people spent the most time playing the multiplayer. So what they did is yeah. they wanted to create the greatest multiplayer experience they could that had a little bit of story to it, but really just focusing on the gameplay and the multiplayer. And I think they knocked that out of the park. They did a great job there. Yeah, I But I do think they missed an opportunity to really create a good universe um, that could be built upon in like uh, a series of books, because that's where a lot of these other games are going to supersede it, like Mass Effect, um, Bioshock, Gears they of have, War, Halo. They have the opportunity to do that they still, do. don't they? I mean, you'd, you'd have to say that the amount of copies that have sold and the Xbox Ones that have sold off the back of this, that Respawn presumably have done very well out of this. They can probably, you know, cre- increase the size of their team tenfold um, and, and and they can bring stuff like that into the next game. They could even make a separate Titanfall universe game that isn't necessarily multiplayer-focused and create a, an amazing single-player campaign um game if they wanted to now i think they've they had they as you say they were a small team before but i think now they can they can probably realize that titanfall universe much better 
if they want to. Well, and insofar as books, too, like the first Halo novel was written well after the first Halo was out with almost no actual backstory. Like if you read the forward to it, the, the writer explains how he had like two months to come up with backing a story into something that already existed. So that can well, still happen. That's that's no issue to develop. I mean, I, yeah, I think, that I think there I think, are certain I think probably will things that are intimated in Titanfall that could lend itself to a story. Like there's monsters on some of these planets that they had to build these big devices to keep away. That's kind of mm-hmm. neat. Um, the reason why these two factions are fighting, that that's obviously going to be the yes. strongest thread. At right. the end of the quote-unquote campaign, they basically say that they are now isolated. Right. Like, it's just these colonies now. They, they can't get home. They can't communicate or get in touch with people. That's a really interesting story beat. Whereas I think, speaking to Halo, I thought their Halo just had a much greater narrative woven into it with... Well, Who are, yeah, that's, yeah, not because yeah. Halo already has a protagonist. Like that's the biggest thing. Halo has yes. a guy that's you, and you're going through his adventures. And Titanfall doesn't have that singular character with whom you're experiencing the adventure. Um, but I want to wrap this back around to the question actually about the absence of an in-depth single-player story. And I know I spoke about this with Jay a little bit, so he's going to be hearing this from me again. But like, I didn't get when the game was released why people were so upset about this because they never promised it yeah it, the game was never intended no but but you know if they had just released the game and never they made a point of saying in development there isn't a campaign there is not a campaign this is a multiplayer experience so i didn't feel like they robbed me of anything or that the game was any worse because it wasn't supposed to be there um i agree and i i, I can agree with that but but we know about this i mean we're we're if you're someone that just hears it, oh, Titanfall is coming out soon. What, what's Titanfall? I don't know, but everyone's talking about it. I'm going to get it. You'd assume there would be some sort of story. No, I, I don't agree know. If with you that. knew nothing yeah. about the game, apart from the fact that everybody that you know is buying it, you know, and there are a load of people out there that are like that. They, they don't read the news. They do, you know, there's a lot of people with Xbox Ones that probably got them as gifts that aren't massively into their games, but everyone suddenly is talking about Titanfall, so they go and pick mm-hmm. it up. Um, it's, I think it's difficult to reach well, everybody I- with. with no, I, I I agree. Like the me of ten years ago, who only played like Final Fantasy games. If I got an Xbox One with Titanfall, I would have been really surprised, but upset because it's not a game I would have played. I there's no campaign, and I agree with that. But asking us, like, how do we feel about that? I had no problem with it not having a single player campaign because it was never promised to have one. Um, it would have been a cherry exactly. on the top of a very and delicious I huge. I feel that exactly. way about the campaign exactly. in the game. I feel like it seems like kind of some way into development they're like oh we should put in something that kind of has a story or whatever and and they kind of built that that way um but i don't think it like in some ways i'm glad it doesn't have a campaign because it actually forced me to get okay at the multiplayer so i could play it in a live environment Mm. where if it had a campaign that's really all i'd play i'd probably boost the multiplayer with my friends to get the achievements i might play it once or twice on my own live to see how it is but i'd never experience it so it actually yeah. compelled me to do that. But that's also my nature. That's not everybody. Was, do you think it's interesting that they branded the nine-chapter mm-hmm. multiplayer series a campaign? I thought it was interesting that's what they refer to it as on the right. movie. It's the campaign. Even though it clearly isn't really what we all know of as right. a campaign. Now, what I think, and it's really strange to me, and I found this to be kind of a, a, dis, a dissonant note in that, yeah, okay, you're playing this campaign mission, you're on one side, uh, another group of fighters is on the other side, but there are zero stakes to it. 
Right. If you win or lose, there are no right. stakes. You just move on to the next mission. That is probably the one narrative thing that really still bothers me now that I think about it. But again, that doesn't impact the enjoyment of actually mm-hmm. playing the game. No. That that game is still totally fun. Again, it's just the cherry that's right. on top of that really delicious Sunday. So can I ask, did you two play through those campaign levels before you jump oh, yeah. into the yeah. regular yes. multiplayer? Yeah, so did I. See, I think that prepped me well, because they choose the game modes that you can get into mm-hmm. quite easily. And generally, it's quite clever, because all the people that are playing the game for the first time naturally are pushed towards that sure. campaign. So generally, you're playing against people that have a similar experience level to you so they've not played that much <laughs> and i think that's a very clever way of doing it otherwise you could be thrown in as we've said the matchmaking can be a little bit flaky to a multiplayer game where suddenly you're up against people that know exactly what they're doing on your first go and that would be right, right. well a friend of mine actually he was saying um i think the gen ta- 10 challenge is to be mvp 50 times which means you know be first place on your team and uh, he said the best way to do it is to jump into campaign because all the new people jump into campaign. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. if you want to get that done, get into there, you're going to be fine. Um, the biggest problem with campaign is from a playability point of view is you can't choose your side. You can choose yeah. what mission you're on, but you can't choose if you're IMC or militia. And I don't know why that's the case. There's achievements tied to well, that as well. Well, it's only, yeah, it's only right. impactful to achievement hunters because everyone else the nar- like the gameplay isn't affected either way. It just right. affects which side of the map you're starting on. So for people who aren't achievement hunters, I can see that not being a hu- huge deal. Yeah. But for our community, that's a yeah. super huge deal. Yeah. But I think, too, back to the question, like I don't think the game could have really been much no, exactly. bigger of a that, hit. That I mean, I, yeah, I heard I that the... Yeah. I think I read that the sales of Xbox Ones the week of Titanfall were like 96% above the yeah, they were more. Yeah, yeah, I like, saw they were more than double, mm-hmm. actually. So, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it moved tons of units. I never got the number for the United States, so I don't know how it did here. But NPD just came out. Um, I don't have those numbers, but uh, there there is anecdotal evidence that we can talk about later. It was number. It was the number uh, one game okay. in the whole of March. Yes, wasn't it? which um, I yes, suppose you'd it was right. Anyway. And and when you consider though the smaller install base of the one versus um you know uh, infamous Second Son came out on the PS4, which is their big. Uh, exclusive mm. and they have a bigger install base so that's true. Uh, when you consider things like that that's a good game too. right and it did have uh, it came out a week later i think um so it had less time in the market so there are all sorts of things yeah has the 360 version come out yet yes yes it finally came yes, out yes it did okay and have we had any issues with that or has it been um i've heard anecdotal stuff again that um it's titanfall it's got all the same stuff the xbox one version does but the graphics mm-hmm. uh, aren't aren't as good the frame rate um, you can either choose to lock well, the you'd, frame rate. You expect both, yeah. of, both of those things. Right. Yeah, you can either lock the frame rate at 30, or it'll hover between like four, high 40s to 30s. Um, it's evidently not as like smooth and fluid, and but it's it's a playable experience. It's it's a fun game. Um, from everything I'm hearing, is that you know, is it still six on six? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they've done pretty well then. Yeah, really. it's got all the same modes and same features, uh, really gameplay features as the Xbox One version. It's just kind of a scaled down technically i just wonder if it would be like your fifa experience rich like if if you were playing the one version and then went and looked at it because i imagine most people playing the 360 version regularly at this point are people who don't have have ones so they're not really able to do a comparison and i wonder how it would look if you really were you know again looking at your one version and then went over to your 360 version and and we're checking them 
someone should do. Yeah. I'm sure I'm many other have, outlets have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have another question uh, from Machine Snipe 72 uh, who has written us several times. Thank you for listening and writing. Um, after the extreme success of Tatafal, how do you feel other new IPs of 2014, such as Watch Dogs and Destiny, will do? Do you think they are under pressure to create a game to live up to our, our expectations created from Titanfall? Um, so it's kind of a two-part mm. question there. Um, I, I'll jump in and say That's I think both Watch Dogs and Destiny are going to be just fine. Um, they're both multi-platform games. They're going to come out on both platforms. They're going to sell bigger because of that. Um, I think Destiny uh, is coming both to the 360 and the Xbox One. I think Watch Dogs is Xbox One only. But uh, I'm very excited to play Destiny, um, just from everything I've been hearing about it. When's Destiny out? The fall, I want to say, uh, let me look it up here. You guys talk talk okay. amongst yourselves, I'm looking it up. So, yeah, so I was just saying <laughs> earlier, um, we were just talking about Watch Dogs, and I was saying it's, it had gone a bit quiet. Obviously, it was pushed back from launch to, uh, it was going to be next-gen launch, and then it was pushed back to, I think, February, and that didn't happen, and now yeah. it's been pushed back to end of May. Um, and it has gone a little bit quiet on that front. So I'm actually quite pleased that it has because there was so much Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs. Everyone was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Um, a little bit like they were with Titanfall. <laughs> I think Titanfall pretty much <laughs> delivered what I was yes, expecting. It did. Um, right. I and I'd hope Watch, Watch Dogs does too. Destiny is September 9th, so that will be my birthday okay, so game this while, year. Because my birthday is the end of Destiny August. Yet. So that will be birthday game. Um, I, t- I tend to agree with you. I mean, until we see a review of... Watch Dogs, or we play a demo, or you know, there's multiplayer, so maybe they'll release a beta of it. Um, we won't know, but certainly the initial stuff looked very impressive. So I'm definitely excited for Watch Dogs, um, and Destiny's you know uh, half a year away almost. So well, and I'll be more excited again then. And I think the more than that, um, as a new console owner, I'm desperate for good stuff to play. Content. Yeah, and get trials, seriously. No, Pick here, it up. I'm not, in, I'm not into trials. What I'm really <laughs> desperate for, and this is what I want to play on my Xbox One, I want a really good RPG experience, I want more uh, good shooters, maybe, and I want good action-adventure games. That's what I'm looking for okay. right now. Um, Destiny is going to give me that RPG shooter. Watch Dogs can give me that action-adventure action, action adventure yes. game. Titanfall is still scratching the shooter itch. Um, yes. We've got Wolfenstein's coming. It'll hopefully be a very good shooter. Um, but yeah, I feel like we just need stuff. We want stuff to play on these machines. So, but this is typical. I mean, we're still within the yeah. first year. This is usually what we get. We get you know the launch lineup, and then it's quiet until the following holiday season. I, don't forget, these companies are also busy supporting the 360 and the PS3 as well. That so there's stuff that's been in development for those consoles that is being completed so they can start really shifting everything to the new gen consoles. So we're, we're getting there. And I think with watchdogs and destiny, as we said, they're going to do fine. They're yeah. reputable developers. There's a uh, previews show good quality. Their industry is excited. So the coverage is going right. to be exciting and they'll, they'll be fine. And I'll say like, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, like watchdogs, I'm, wary of i think it looks like it has all this amazing potential but like in my head i 
I don't see how they're going to realize everything they're saying. So I'm content to wait and see what other people think with Watch Dogs. So I don't have the hype build that a lot of folks do about it. Um, and, you know, it just they, they caught us off guard with that E3 announcement. Mm-hmm. Like, or I, yeah, it was an E3 game because it was the big title nobody heard of. And that's so hard nowadays to get to the big show where nobody's seen anything. And it's kind of been on that wave. But just what it's promising and the world it's promising sounds to me like it's so hard to pull off. Yes. So I'm content to wait. And I agree. Destiny is just so far off right now that that my head's not there yet either. So they're both going to be great. They're both going to be huge. Personally, I'm content to I'm not be super hyped for both. Um, but they're not under any pressure to you know right. create a game that right. like Titanfall. They're they're different different circumstances, different publishers, um, different yeah. genres. Titanfall had the pressure of the console on it. It was the was right. the console seller for the Xbox One. And it, and it did very well uh, as such. I, I mean, I bought my console to play Titanfall. Uh, they've done incredibly well to yeah. live up to the hype. Right, right. And I, 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 I've barely heard a discerning voice right. against Titanfall. Everything I've heard has generally been positive. And, and it, you know, one of the great successes is for both Watchdog and Destiny, not... The whole generation, you know, the PS4 and the Xbox One are both yes. doing great. Like, I know the Xbox One would like to do better um, because the PS4 is just doing so phenomenally. But it's not a slouch. It sold millions the of Xbox consoles. The Xbox One is, so, to date, uh, if you compare time frame to time frame, has sold more in this window than the Xbox 360 did at its launch. It's doing just fine. Yeah, so it's – Watch Dogs and Destiny don't have to be the, the you know – standard bearers for making the next generation get into households. It's already there. So yeah, yeah. They, they don't have that kind of deal happening where it's finally going to move the next gen units. They're already out there. And just to kind of piggyback off what you were saying about uh, developers moving away or getting their last kicks in with the, the current gen before moving into the new gen. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Um, we're going to segue this into kind of some news section here. But we have two opposite kind of stories here. One I didn't list on our rundown sheet, so I apologize. You guys done a blindsiding you with this. But uh, Rocksteady is making Batman Arkham Knight, mm-hmm. which is only right. going to be new gen. No Xbox 360 right. version. And then the flip side, uh, Gearbox and 2K Australia, uh, about a week and a half ago, revealed Borderlands the pre-sequel, which is only going to be current gen. So that's PS3, Xbox 360. So it's two opposite paths there, but it's showing that divergency of some developers are cut and bait on the 360 gen and moving all in with the next gen so they can focus their talents on that, whereas some are getting one last kick with that tech, the pre-existing architecture and software, to get that last big game in on the 360 before they move into the next gen. So um, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, I just said uh, they revealed it. Um, the basics about the game are it's supposed to take place between Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2. Uh, it's going to show off kind of Handsome Jack, how he came to power on Pandora. But the really most interesting thing to me uh, is twofold. One is that it's being quote-unquote co-developed by Gearbox and 2K Australia. Um, what I've heard behind the scenes is that 2K Australia is doing a lot of the heavy lifting and Gearbox is doing more of a consulting. But also the playable characters. You get four brand new playable characters. Uh, one of them is Wilhelm, which if you played Borderlands 2, you realize he plays a pretty big role in that, uh, kind of in the early going. You also will have Athena, 
who was in uh, the Secret Army of jo- Secret Armory of General Knox DLC of Borderlands One. So she'll be a playable character. Then you have Nisha, who's the sheriff of Lynchwood in Borderlands Two. And finally, you get to play as Claptrap, <laughs> which is that's got to be ridiculous. Uh, so the entire game is going to take place on the Moon of Pandora, which is going to introduce some new gameplay elements like uh, the um, Ox Pack, which is the Oxygen Pack, which is going to give you the ability to double jump, double jump, do smash attacks on a ground pound. Um, but it, it sounds pretty interesting. So uh, I know I have a couple of buddies that I played the first two Borderlands with. When this was announced, I basically posted on our Facebook pages. I'm like, we're getting the gang back together. Um, <laughs> but what are you guys? Uh, I know, Michelle, you said before we started recording, you hadn't played Borderlands 2 yet. Right, um, but right. What, what are your kind of general thoughts on this announcement here? I mean, it, um, I'm trying to think of a way to articulate this. So there's a lot going on in the Borderlands universe, right? We have the pre-sequel. Oh, yeah. There's Telltale is doing Tales from the Borderlands. So um, it's interesting to see, and it's heartening to see, how a game that was just this you know, new IP a few years ago has now exploded into this uh, you know, wholly realized universe. Um, and what's most interesting to me is when I played the first Borderlands, and I've said this before, one of the things that surprised me about why I liked it, or you know, I didn't figure out why I liked it so much, was that it really lacked a story, in my opinion, but it had great characters. And I think we're seeing that more now with the the pre-sequel what what they're focusing on isn't necessarily it is about handsome jacks right it's the power but it's the characters that are going to be a part of that and being you know able to play claptrap that's the big thing i heard people talking about when i would see like tweets or whatever i get to play as claptrap now that's so cool um so i just think it's interesting how they've built a whole universe from what i felt was like kind of like the story was a second thought to being able to play with all this fun loot um and I, I think it's really cool they're doing it that way. I think it'll, for me, as I haven't played Borderlands 2, I don't know if I'll play it chronologically based on release or a game now. But um, I, I just I think it's cool that they're supporting it in this way. We'll see how it goes when Gearbox isn't the primary developer on yeah. there. It's obviously going to have a different feel to it if they're taking more of a consulting role. So we'll see how well 2K uh, Australia handles it because we were – the, the blind side you gave us with Batman, right? It's back to Rocksteady. This is great. Yes. Um, people were not happy with the previous game. No. Because it was out of Rocksteady's hands. So uh, there's always a little bit of trepidation that comes with that. But, um, you know, the, Gearbox seems to take care of that property very well. So, you know, I, I hopefully I'll get to that at some point in the future. But, again, that would involve me playing my 360 again in this post-one landscape. So we'll see. Rich, uh, do you have much experience with Borderlands? I, I don't think I've ever seen you I play I didn't it. play Borderlands 1, but I did play some Borderlands 2, um, probably half the campaign, and I played with other people that were big fans, um, Dave Kay and Davey Marshall on the news team, mm-hmm. front, uh, amongst others, and um, unfortunately they were both very proficient in the Borderlands universe, having played a lot of Borderlands 1, so while they were sort of trying to show me the ropes. I was a bit confused with the looting. I mean, they were just literally charging through, killing everything, nicking all the loot, and I was sort of standing there, firing firing <laughs> my rubbish gun occasionally. Wait, wait a minute, Rich. You weren't charging headlong into well, danger? Well, I would, but I would die. Why did, you, why did you change? That would generally cause me to die, and then they would come behind, and I'd have to um, gather what loot they left behind. Basically, they're... Sloppy seconds were, were left behind for me, uh. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I sort of I probably put ten hours into it, but um, I didn't finish okay. the campaign, and um, I didn't really enjoy it. I don't know, I, I couldn't really get the humour 
Um, I don't know. I think you probably needed to play Borderlands One to pro- properly appreciate Borderlands Two, and it's an RPG. So all of those things yeah. were against it <laughs> oh, for no, me. Two strikes. Um, two strikes. So yeah, uh, I'm not excited for this. Gotcha. <laughs> That's all right. They're not all going to be yeah. yeah. Well, for me, uh, there will be other things. Yes, there will be other things. Um, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, is set um, currently for a release uh, this fall. So your fall is going to be pretty crowded uh, if you want to have one last... It'll probably be my last throw with my 360. This game will probably be the last one I play on my 360. Um, hmm. But there's... I do think that's very interesting, though, that it is only 360. Like... It because they're not limiting their audience actually because most people who want 360s are going to want if you make it only one like um like Batman is going to be or Assassin's Creed uh, Unity is going to be you obviously limit it to just the people in that next set so it's a really intriguing decision that they went with and I wonder if at some point we will see a a one or a next generation version of those games as well of that game as well. Um, Randy Pitchford actually spoke on spoke on that with uh, Polygon. And basically said 100% of the budget and the investment and the resources and the talent that have been invested into Borderlands the pre-sequel have been spent to create content, have been spent to iterate the technology from the Borderlands 2 engine. So it's basically yeah. they wanted to build off of their pre-existing mm-hmm. work, make something new, make new content on that, and then also you've got the install base there. So but it makes me, sense, kind of. It sort of makes sense, but like, like with South Park... Um, I bought it because I heard a lot of good things about it, but I'm very reluctant to buy stuff that's 360 now. I now I have way. my one, and we're six, we're nearly six months into the one's life. I'm and like you, Michelle, I'm, I'm thinking if it's not on the one, I'm not sure I want it. Right? Yeah, and it's not a, a knock against the game. It's just I don't turn it on anymore. Like this, this is what I use now. It's just like it, the, yeah. the same thing happened to my PlayStation 2. I think I turned it on once after I got the 360, and it's been seven, eight years now, and the PlayStation 2 is still sitting there, not used, even though I swore I would yeah. continue to play it. Yeah, and I think um, yeah. Chewy on Ice, new sound extraordinaire, uh, sent us in a question <laughs> that said, now that you all have ones, is it, quote, the one for you? Chewy, <laughs> oh, Chewy nice. with the puns. Wow. Um, or are your 360s still getting some love? So, Michelle, you're pretty firmly in the... It's the one for you. Whereas I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth. Uh, I know, I, I still have to turn on my 360 every week because there is no HBO Go app for the Xbox One yet. So for <laughs> me to watch the Game of Thrones, I need to turn on the 360. Um, but yeah, I'm still bouncing back and forth. But until we get more games that I want to play on the one, I'll probably continue to at least boot up my 360. I have a couple more games in my backlog that I need to crush through before I'm ready to fully say goodbye to it. Well, I think like. I- Right now, Titanfall has done the trick for like the last month, but there's, save for Watch Dogs, there's this big gap sort of from now till September-ish where there's really not much coming out. And I wouldn't be surprised if I start going back to my backlog at that point because, you know, that, that'll be fresher than the no games I have on my one. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I did it. When the one came out, I pretty much bought enough games on the one to get me through the first four months. And I played all those religiously, and it was like that was all I played. And there was no point turning on the 360 because I had all this new stuff. And now, especially when there were a couple of games that I really wanted to play that were only available on the 360, it's only now that I've actually turned that back on and started playing it again. But it does feel weird, especially the first time I turned it. I was like, oh, well, first of all, there was an update. 
but um, it moves so slowly. Like, don't you feel does. like when I turn the on the dash feels the very slow. In fact, even just logging in, it seems to take a thirty seconds. What's what I mean? Like, I, I haven't been on my 360, but I've been on my friends. And, like, I'm like, why are we still waiting for this? Like, I, I walk in front of my one. I'm logged in. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And this is just taking forever, and I've already lost patience with it. And I was shouting, Xbox 360 on for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> Nothing happened. I think my connect <laughs> might be broken. That is actually one of my favorite things um, is the voice <laughs> command to turn it on and off. Um, and I have my TV routed through my Xbox One. So every morning uh, I wake up before my wife. Um, and I can just I can whisper the command to turn it on, and it'll boot up, and I'll have ESPN on, and I'll be eating my breakfast watching ESPN voice command. It's awesome. Exactly. I liked it. So, um, speaking of games that we'll be able to play on our Xbox One, we already mentioned it briefly. Assassin's Creed Unity was announced by Ubisoft, uh, a game that I will not be playing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's they're trying to pull me back in because they're taking me to another one of my favorite time periods. Uh, French Revolution, uh, 18th century, you know, they loved our American Revolution so much, the French decided to steal it. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're going to be playing in the French Revolution. Um, it's, you're going to, you're going to be able to swing around Notre, the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. That's going to be so cool. That's, that's going to be the thing that's really going <laughs> to tempt me not to, to come in and play. But that's coming out only on the Xbox One and also uh, the PS4. Holiday 2014. So again, Assassin's Creed titles, they're an annual release. It's coming. Sacre bleu. Um, <laughs> Mon dieu. I think yeah, I, might, yeah. um, I might make a conscious effort to play these a year behind now. So I might pick up four this this holiday. Oh, there you go. Once you, that'll be once my, my process. their impression of it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Assassin's Creed Unity is coming. Other stuff that's coming to the Xbox One. Uh, towards the end of March, uh, Punky Liar had a massive two-part story on Microsoft confirming 25 ID at Xbox titles. So we don't have time here to go through (laughs) and list all of these. But you're going to have a ton of independently developed content, uh, independently published on the Xbox One. That's coming. So be sure to check out that story because there's a little bit of something for everyone here. And actually, it's getting me a little bit excited because there's some really cool-looking stuff here. Um, that I'm very excited to play. Uh, I was just looking at Habitat from uh, Forgency, or it looks like Agency, uh, which is going to have a space-themed strategy game. Uh, there's also, oh, what was the other one that I saw? Uh, I'm scrolling, vamping, 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 vamping. Ah, here it is. Uh, Gunscape from Blowfish Studios. Looks like it could be pretty cool. Uh, so that looks like it could be something pretty neat. Don't you think it was interesting that... Um... When the PS4 and the One were both announced, everyone was saying that the One was getting rid of the indie developers and the PS4 was the only way that anyone was going to go now because of all their policies. Whereas actually it looks like the One is the one that's got actual proper game... uh, There's gameplay footage, there's screenshots of all this stuff, and uh, it seems to be coming out before... PS4 independent stuff. Yeah, I think a lot I think a lot of it's reactionary. Um, many of these games are ports that have already been put out uh, on Steam or on other platforms, and they're just porting them to the <laughs> Xbox One, which is fine because, like we said, the Xbox One needs content. But uh, I think that basically my understanding is Microsoft took these ID at Xbox steps to put them at pace with what the PS4 had already done. So really, I think a lot of this press blitz is to 
make up that lost ground to let gamers know we are Microsoft is invested in that independent scene and those games will be coming and they're really doing a lot to court those games over to the Xbox One which is fantastic uh, because that was kind of Sony's bread and butter this past generation so many of those really good independent titles uh, were only on the PS3 so yeah I'm really excited to see them coming to go to continue on with your point, it's it's exactly right. Right from back with the 360, a lot of these developers, smaller developers, really just for whatever reason didn't like working with Microsoft. Um, the guys, Hello Games, I think behind Joe Danger, didn't like it. They they were not a fan of working within Microsoft. You know, there was um, the Team Meat who did Super Meat Boy also did not like working with Microsoft. Now there were studios that did the Zen Pinball guys. You know, Twisted Pixel wound up being, um, or I'm sorry, Pinball FX Zen Studios. Uh, Twisted Pixel wound up being purchased by um, by Microsoft. So there were those who did, but there were also those who really didn't because they felt like they they you know they made an indie games tab and then they buried it and then they did some indie stuff and then they made it impossible to find. And and this is all Microsoft like stepping over themselves to to show listen so we, we do care we're, mm. we're making up for it um and it's great because if you look at early metacritic scores for both consoles some of the highest rated games are these small independently produced mm-hmm. games on the ps4 and the xbox one doesn't really have those yet so it's exciting to see these you know i've heard a lot about games like guacamelee um and they're gonna have achievements on yes uh this leads really nicely into our question of the month which comes from VargiX146. So thank you for sending this in, Vargi. Uh, there's been some noise made about ID at Xbox games getting what Microsoft, what Microsoft refers to as full achievements in gamer score. If enough independent developers are pumping out 30-second 1K completions, will that, quote-unquote, ruin gamer score? I don't... I don't think they're going to be able to do that though. Like they're, they're going to be like, think about the, the phone, right? The windows phone. Um, like if they had something like that, like one of the issues with the windows phone marketplace is apparently there are so many checks to get through it that developers just don't bother. Um, and I think it would be the same with this, uh, with the independent marketplace on the one they're, they're not going to let you release a 30 second game with a thousand gamers for they're, they're going to be rules yep. with, with anything with, and I think that's actually why some of these indie dependent indie guys didn't really like Microsoft was because they have a lot of regulations, um, that make it difficult to publish, you know, from how you distribute DLC and where you need to charge money and how do you implement Gamerscore. So it's not, it, yes, it would devalue Gamerscore, but it's it's not going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's really actually a good thing that these independent games are going to get full achievements in Gamerscore because that's going to encourage our community to play them. Uh, and so many of these games are, are are have a reputation of being good on other platforms that if they were released without any type of achievements, you know our community would just ignore them. So I think this is actually a good move. And I, I agree with you guys. I don't think it's actually going to be that big of a deal. I don't think a lot of developers are going to just pump out like 30-second 1K completions. They won't I, just, I don't think that's I don't think happen. they want to anyway most of the time. Like some one person may want to or whatever. But most of these guys, this I is – like to. <laughs> well, <laughs> but this is, this is their passion project. They want to put out like their – magnum opus or whatever they they want the the thing that people yeah. are going to attach to them and and you know the the single achievement thing it becomes kind of like a joke so i i just mm-hmm. it's not going to happen for a lot of reasons um no i mean you can you can say has my horse and me ruined the entire <laughs> xbox 360 catalog has avatar ruined everyone's enjoyment of yeah. the xbox 360 achievement system japanese mm-hmm. visual no. novel I mean, games are, yeah 
there are odd examples, yeah. but you know that they don't ruin it. There's they're odd examples in thousands of games. It's not the majority right. of games. I mean, if you and plus that's why we have ratios, right? Exactly, right. exactly. That's why TA exists. <laughs> I mean, we're, they're not um, going to release enough that you can, you know, get a million gamer score in, you know, a month and, and make that happen, make Stallion cry because of how little effort you put into <laughs> it. It's just not going to happen that way. No, I totally yeah. agree. All right. That was a really good question, Vargi. Yeah, excellent uh, question. So I will be getting in touch with you soon on the site as to where to send your fabulous prize, which will probably actually be a pretty good prize this time. So uh, thank you for sending those in. Um, let's shift gears really quick to some general industry news. Um, these are three stories that we didn't really cover, uh, on TA mainly because they weren't like super important to our community, but they are important to the industry. So we just want to take a couple minutes to talk about them. Uh, the first one is Amy Hennig joins EA's Visceral Games to work on the next Star Wars game. Uh, for those of you who are blinders on, only concerned with Xbox stuff, uh, Amy Henning was the creative director over at Naughty Dog, who made the award-winning uh, Uncharted series. So she was basically the big writer and creative director behind this incredible series. So she left under some mysterious circumstances, uh, left Naughty Dog, and was kind of a free agent for a while. And I know I was really hoping she would find a place where she could put out a multi-platform game so we could all experience what her brain can provide. Uh, so she's jumped in with uh, EA and Visceral. She's going to be working on a new Star Wars game. I think this is awesome. Uh, because if there's one thing Star Wars games have been lacking for a while, it's a really good story and really good writing. Uh, so this is really exciting news for me. Um, either of you two have any opinions on this? Um, I'm a massive fan of the Uncharted series, as I've talked about on this podcast before. So anyone that was heavily involved in that, that gets a chance to publish Xbox games, I'm I'm very happy. This is a great development for all of us, because some of those Uncharted games are spectacular. And I'm a massive fan of the Soul Reaver series, which she did before. Uh, she was with Crystal Dynamics at that point, and um, so she was the creative director and the writer behind that, and um, just amazing stuff and you know i heard she joined visceral and immediately i got really excited for her writing a dead space game which isn't happening in this case but i hope she'll be freed up to do something like that once the star wars project is complete um star wars projects will never be complete that's probably <laughs> very true e even more than that i'm really happy that um amy hennig is obviously one of the most well-known women working in the games industry and to see her going from one very prominent franchise to another, possibly even bigger franchise, to me that's awesome. Because mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people like to be up or down on the fact that there aren't a lot of women working in the games industry. Mm -hmm. um, this, I think, is an amazing thing that this is front and center. Because if there's one thing I think we can all agree on is that the industry really needs diversity amongst the people who Correct. create the games so that the audience can become... Across the board. Yeah. Well, Across and board, I, really. I think what this is very telling of is the proof is in her work. Exactly. She had no trouble jumping to the next thing because her work is so high quality. It doesn't matter, male, female. She, she just puts out amazing quality material. Um, and men, women, are they're capable of that if they have the passion for the industry and doing the work. Um, but getting that first foot in the door is, is often the difficulty. And it's great that she's 
already part of that and you know everyone people who follow this definitely knew her name knew who she was and it's great to see her land somewhere else so quickly and like you said jake be given something so prominent and important to handle yeah um speaking of moving up in the world phil spencer moving on up uh phil spencer was the chief of microsoft studios but he is now the head of xbox uh so he was going to be overseeing everything xbox related so this is going to include xbox live xbox music xbox video the entire xbox business he is mr xbox uh which i think is awesome because yeah uh, if you've ever read a phil spencer interview or seen him do anything you can tell he's super passionate about games and about the xbox brand so i think it's it's a great great move for microsoft to put him at the head of the product line and he's very open to feedback too um on his twitter i mean he'll listen to fans he'll listen to uh, critics, which is just fantastic that there's, you know, Microsoft's a big monolith company, but to hear that there's somebody who actually engages with the community at its head, that that's wonderful news. I think that's great. Well, and to be fair to Microsoft in general, I think that that's kind of been the redemption story of the Xbox One is they've been very responsive to criticism and they had a lot of criticism. Yeah. And um, it, over the last six months, um, they've responded to much of it. And, and really move forward with the product in a good way, which is another reason why Phil Spencer is the right person to continue to move the product forward. Yes. And I'm sure we'll be seeing quite a bit of Phil Spencer when we get around to E3 season, which is coming mm-hmm. up. Very soon. Um, Not long now. Excellent. Um, the last bit of kind of industry news we want to talk about is less happy. Um, seemingly out of the blue. Actually, it's not even seemingly. It's completely out of the blue. Uh, this week, Bungie uh, terminated Marty O'Donnell, who has been in charge of the music for the Halo series. So they terminated his contract, but they didn't actually um, kill him. <laughs> we, should, we should point that out. Are you, have, for our have you spoken with Marty O'Donnell in the past two hours? <laughs> That's not true. Actually, yes. Okay. The final tweet did seem Uh-oh. pretty final. Okay, but yeah, he's uh, no longer working at Bungie, which. It's kind of sad because um, he worked with like Paul McCartney and Mike Salvatore to make the soundtrack for Destiny. So he's still going to have his credit in Destiny. Um, but it's he just thinking of if there's one bit of iconic music that surrounds the Xbox platform, it's the Halo score. I can't yeah, think of right. a score Absolutely. more iconic to that generation than his work on the Halo franchise. It's just amazing. I can't think of another game that has a symphonic arrangement like it. Uh, I would say, like, maybe Mass Effect came close. But aside from that, I mean, can you guys think of any games that weren't, you know, music games that had just that really (laughs) strong, powerful... Rock Band the Beatles. But his work is incredibly (laughs) iconic. So uh, I have a feeling he's not going to be out of work for long, Um especially with the new generation and so much content being worked on across all the, the platforms, I'm pretty certain there's going to be a savvy developer or publisher who snaps them up real fast. Uh, I think, you know, a future Titanfall game could probably use some music that, you know, that's putting, putting together a super team. It's awesome. (laughs) All right. So that's, uh, that's our news section. We're going to try and keep our news sections a little bit shorter in future podcasts because we realized we're spending so much time just talking about the news, which is generally talked about quite a bit before we ever record our podcast. Uh, so we're going to 
keep hitting some of the bigger notes, some of the things that might have slipped through the cracks. But we're going to try and focus this more on uh, things you all want to hear. So, again, be sure to let us know in the comments about things you want to hear from us because we're always open to feedback about the podcast. Um, speaking of feedback, it's time to talk about achievement challenges. Uh, so the last challenge we had uh, was to do the speed run challenge in Braid. Now, after we all kind of accepted that we were going to do this challenge, I had the heartbreaking realization that I no longer had Braid on my console. I no longer had a save file, which meant for me to actually attempt this challenge, I would have to re-download Braid, play through Braid once, and then try to struggle through getting that speed run, which that seemed like a pretty big mountain to me, and I had Titanfall to play. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't attempt the challenge. Uh, Rich, I believe you said you, you put a you put an honest effort into it. Well, I say I put an honest effort into it. I found my save of Braid, and I saw that I had two worlds that I hadn't finished. World four, I'd only got half the puzzle pieces, and World six, I think I had two left. So I followed various videos and completed those two worlds and got the final puzzle pieces but that effort in itself probably took me four or five hours just to do those bits and i realized at that point that there was no way i was going to be able to get a speed run done i was really struggling i got the appreciation for it you remember that the first time you play braid and you think oh this is so clever yeah oh yes that's really clever when you especially when there's bits that you don't know how to do right. and you look at them for ages and there were the, no matter how many people tell me that they they played Braid and they never looked up a solution? There are parts of that game that you you have to find a video for. I'm, I, I just <laughs> cannot believe people can work that stuff out in their head. Um, some of it is so ridiculously complex. So I did I did as much of that challenge as actually completing the game, which I was enough for me to be feel proud because I was very angry with that game. I remember the first time around when I played it and I couldn't do those levels. So. Um, the speed run was never going to happen, but I did, I did get that feeling back of this is such a smart game. I wasn't sure how much I liked the smartness, but I did appreciate it. Uh, Michelle, I don't believe you got a chance to jump back into Braid because again, tie tie fall. Yeah, and I, I like in all to be fair, I know I'm usually pretty poor with these things, and it's just I think. You know, gaming is what I do at the end of the day to unwind. And when I sit there, I'm like, oh, but this is a task now. It's homework. So I just get kind of distracted and do other stuff. So, yeah, I didn't get to it. I played a lot of Titanfall over the last month. All right. And speaking of that, we, we listened to a lot of the feedback that we weren't exactly the best at doing these achievement challenges. Uh, I think I probably did the best, and even I was still just like, meh. So we're going to change this up a little bit. So we're debuting uh, next month will be the debut of our new Achievement Challenge format. So what we did in the pre-show was each of us chatted about the games we were playing and the games that we still had quite a bit left to play. So we're going to open those up to challenges from you. So this month um, we're inviting you to challenge us uh, to the following games. So Rich has said he's going to be putting quite a bit of time playing FIFA World Cup uh, 14. I will be spending quite a bit of time playing XCOM The Bureau Declassified, and Michelle is going to spend quite a bit of time playing Connect Sports Rivals. So what we'd like you to do, listeners, community, uh, is to go into those games and pick us an achievement challenge from those games. Uh, you can pick one for each of us, you can pick just one for one of us, uh, but we really want to find uh, the good challenges for the games that we are currently playing. Uh, we think that's going to be a good kind of happy medium to get us to play our, the games we're playing, but play them with a purpose. 
So that jumps into um, the question we had from Saucy Slingo, who asked about the achievement of the month that we did on the site for a little while. Um, we're kind of putting that on hold for a little bit site-wide. Uh, we've got quite a few things on the burners here on the site. And when we relaunch Achievement of the Month, we want to make sure it has some good functionality to it so that uh, things like popping the achievement may show up in your feed. Uh, so we're putting that on the back burner for a while, but we will hopefully be bringing that back in the next couple of months. Yeah, I have a, a thought too. I, I don't know if it's uh, – I should have looked at this before we recorded. Um, but with Connect Sports Rivals, I think you can send challenges to your friends to try to beat better times. So if you want to incorporate that as part of the month, you can send me a challenge. I mean you can friend pretty much anyone on the Xbox One now. There's plenty of space. So I'm more than happy to entertain that too as part of the achievement challenge for the month. Oh, I might buy it on the back of that. <laughs> oh, so, God. Yeah. I will add Connect Sports Rivals to my list of um, there you go. games you can send me challenges. Yeah, I will so not. Free, not just for... <laughs> Get up <laughs> off worse. your couch, Jay. No, <laughs> I, I like to sit on my couch to play my games. I do my gaming to unwind to be lazy. With your cardboard wife. You're lucky she doesn't listen to this podcast, Rich, because if she did, she would be quite cross with you. Um, so she would the... contact Rich if she needed to do something to anger you, like give you a Yes, she would. She, she totally would. But yeah, feel free to do that in lieu of an achievement challenge as well. Like That's absolutely a cool way to interact with people and get people engaged in it. Yeah, so uh, in the comments to the... Uh, story on this podcast. So we're going to post the podcast on the website in those comments. Feel free to issue us an achievement challenge. Um, so again, you can issue rich or Michelle, a challenge from connect sports rivals. You can issue rich, a challenge from the new FIFA world cup. And you can issue me a challenge from XCOM, the bureau declassified. And, uh, we will put our good try into getting those popped before our next podcast date. This leads us into our next session, which is mailbag. Again, thank you to all of you community members who put in a lot of really awesome questions to the mailbag. Uh, so we've already hit our question of the month, but we do have some really good questions here uh, that we wanted to take some time to chat about. So our first question uh, in the mailbag comes from Ghostly Complex, who asks, Are you concerned about the future of the Xbox One? The resolution issue, and also many developers complaining about how hard it is to develop for the Xbox One. For me, personally, I have switched to PS4 for next-gen, as to me, it's a much better system. I just love TA, so I buy all Microsoft exclusives and play my 360 so I can keep my achievement hobby up. Alright, um, no, I'm not concerned yes. about the future of the Xbox One. I'm, can I answer Yes, this? Rich. First thing, yes, please. true trophies exist for your PS4 needs. So you don't need to worry about <laughs> lacking functionality on that. Secondly, the Xbox One is not struggling in any way. Um, I've played... I have a PS4 too, and I've generally been playing uh, Xbox One games over my PS4 for various reasons, but there are many. Um, thirdly, I have been reading about DirectX 12 update that is coming to Xbox One soon that will apparently... And we have to take this with a slight pinch of salt pretty much even up the frame rate, stroke, um, pixel definition issues, differences between that and the PS4. So this, I think the Xbox One um, is going to receive multiple updates that will improve its graphics over the coming months and, and years, indeed, um, just as it's in, uh, receiving updates to improve its functionality on an almost monthly basis at the moment. Um, so I, you have no reason to worry, um, and you've missed out on Titanfall. So, 
yeah. But maybe he's enjoying yeah. Infamous. I mean, the, the, yeah, I'm enjoying the NPD too. numbers came out just this past week, and they showed that um, the PS4 still outsold the 360, or P- the PS4 still outsold the Xbox One for the month of March, which was kind of surprising given that uh, Microsoft bundled it with Titanfall. But the numbers, it, it's not like... It's not like the Xbox One is failing to sell units. It, as we said, it sold more ones over this mm-hmm. period than they did with the same period for the 360. Um, and also, they're only available in 13 yeah. regions at the moment. And right. PlayStation's and even with available Titanfall, in 59, I think. So. It's still more expensive to buy a one. And, and for people just walking in casually to a game store saying, I want to buy the new thing, they're going to buy the thing $100 Well, cheaper. and Microsoft, I don't know if Microsoft sanctioned it, but a lot of retailers are selling that Titanfall bundle for $450, which, if you do the value and right. proposition, makes it cheaper than buying the PS4 in a game. Right. Even then, though, yeah, it's, I don't think it's a big deal. The future is bright for all of us. It's yes. a wonderful time to be a gamer. We have strong sales on both consoles. The Steam community is doing great, so we're getting all this great independent stuff. You know, the Wii U has its niche. I know its sales aren't great, but the, it's satisfying its niche. Everyone's got something for them. Best thing we can ask for. I would be concerned about the Wii U, but that would take us down a fifteen. That would take us down a fifteen-minute <laughs> tangent that we don't have Listen, time for. As someone who grew up on Nintendo products, um, they will always have Zelda. They will always have Mario. They will always have Kirby. They will always have Donkey Kong. Nintendo's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, next question uh, from Doctor Pai, who uh, frequently writes to the show. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Doc, for listening and sending us a question. Uh, question, how good or bad would it be if Skyrim was a roguelike game? Uh, for people who don't know what a roguelike is, uh, it's a game where you have one life and death is pretty much waiting around every corner. Um, I'll go ahead and answer this because I think I'm the only one who's played Skyrim for an extensive amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be okay. Um, I don't think it would have the mass appeal that Skyrim ended up having. Uh, as somebody who's now playing Diablo like a roguelike, in that my character's dying and can't come back. Um, there's certain fun to it, but there's also a lot of frustration. And I think one of the big draws of Skyrim was that um, it was an exploration game as much as it was a combat game. And I think if you made it a roguelike, it would be really tough to capture that feeling of free exploration, knowing that a permanent death was around every corner. So I think it'd be meh. Um, there's that. Uh Answers or thoughts from either of you? If they wanted to make it as an option, you know, I don't think it would hurt. Like, just like in Diablo, right? It's not the main gameplay, but you can choose to play it roguelike. And I don't think that would be hard for them to do, because you basically just have a flag trigger, you die, you're done. That's that's it. But I I don't see that it would contribute or take anything away. It would just be another option for players to use. Okay. Uh, Last question in the mailbag. Blazing Buckwheat, frequent uh, listener and writer to the show. Thank you for writing in. Uh, virtual reality is starting to become more mainstream. Facebook buying mm. Oculus, PlayStation revealing Project Morpheus, even Microsoft has said they have been working on it for some time. Do you think the time for virtual reality is now? And do you think we will see a headset from Microsoft in the near future? Rich, you're the tech guy. What do you think? Yeah, so I, interestingly, I did my sixth form... Uh, which is last year of school, so I was probably 17, um, physics project on virtual reality. And I had to go and play yeah, Well, the reason I chose that was they allowed me to go during school time to the Trocadero and play 
games effectively uh, as part of my school <laughs> course because it was research, uh, which was ridiculous at the time, and everyone applauded me for my ingenuity in coming up with a project that I could actually go to an arcade <laughs> during school time and it and it be allowed and if not allowed then it actively encouraged so I was around with a headset like an enormous it was huge it was like a helmet like a crash helmet for um if you were riding a motorcycle or something uh, but with two like uh, telescopic eyes on the front of it as well so it was an enormous thing it weighed a ton and I play for an hour and I'd get a headache and neck ache from the weight of the thing um, but it, even then th- that felt like something that was a couple of years away from being in the mainstream and being in, in something that would be in my living room and I'd be enjoying VR with every game I played and it's quite surprising really how long that tech's been around that it hasn't really got that far yet however um, Oculus Rift it does feel like a, a the next step probably five steps beyond what I was playing then. Um, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it feels a bit like 3D TV thing that everyone was like massively into. I bought a 3D TV and then I watched probably two sporting events in 3D and one film. And then I was like, actually, I prefer watching it just normal mm-hmm. telly. And this feels a bit like that. I think the tech's been around for 30 years-ish, although it's not nowhere near as streamlined as it is now. But it's never made that leap. So... I think there's a reason for that, and I think it's the 3D thing. I just think it's too much effort to put kit on. I think there's always going to be a barrier of entry into virtual reality in that it's not something you can easily show to people without them actually experiencing it. So that means to purchase one, you need to really try one. And to try one, that means you need to get out of your home go to a store or an expo, try it out, be sufficiently impressed with a short demonstration that you want to spend three, four, five hundred $500 on the equipment. So what I think is happening right now is Oculus is doing it in a smart way in that they're keeping it small, they're getting the tech into hands of developers who can do cool things with it so that when it's ready to be a consumer product, there's content there. So consumers can feel more confident in purchasing this, knowing that there is support for it. Um, But again, if there's going to be some sort of divergency between Oculus has their thing, PlayStation has their thing, and Microsoft has their thing, and it's not going to... And all of that's going to need investment. That's all going to need investment. Uh, So I think it's neat. I think it might be the future, but I don't think will have it be commonplace in our homes for the next 15, 20 years. But do you do you have a 3D TV? I do not. Okay. I just didn't see the... I, I didn't feel like it was... I mean, I've been to the new, new style of 3D movies where it's it's good 3D. But even then, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm good for that for 90 minutes, but I don't see the point of having yeah, it in exactly. my home. That's, I totally agree with you. So I, 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 I went and experienced it. I loved it. I bought a 3D TV. And there were there were games that came out. So Killzone Three was in 3D, and that was interesting for a half an hour before my head started to hurt. But I've got a 3D T. I've got pairs of glasses, um, but it's just it, it's it's not a pleasant experience playing or watching a movie with that with your friends because you feel there is a barrier. There's a physical thing that you have to put on. There's I don't know I don't know why it's just so not what watching normal TV is like or yeah. playing a game is like. 
It's just so different. Right. And I, I just, I, I don't know, like, I haven't wrapped my head around the, the virtual reality concept, which I think is what Jay is getting to, right? Cause yeah, I'm you should experience it. it. I mean, go and, go and like, play something, there... because it's, it's, it is cool. But... <laughs> But like I, you know, I just have a, I have a couple thoughts about it. Like, first of all, isn't there sort of like an uncanny valley mm, issue? Yeah. Like, you know, so they say about uncanny valley, things that get too photorealistic actually become a problem. People don't want games where it really looks like you're shooting another guy. We want to know that that's fictional. You know, it. They find games that are too photorealistic actually people don't like. There's sort of a bell curve to it. So now you are the guy. I mean, isn't the same issue presented? And like. In an in a virtual reality environment, you're standing or sitting still, controlling something. It's a visual yeah. trick, correct? Uh, well, I have played something at um, Gamescom where you you have you're in like a circular um, pit almost, and you can run on rollers, so you can actually physically move forwards and backwards. Although you're actually remaining stationary, but it feels like you're moving. So you're on rollers, so right. it feels like you're making progress, although you're staying in the same place. So it's not, you know, static as that as that would appear. I just I feel like some of the virtual reality concept. I'm also I'm already getting with my connect. I am really getting up and dancing yeah. in my living room with things that I can see around me. Like I, I don't see what the virtual reality will offer in that sense. Where I, like I don't want to sit in my living room wearing a helmet. Yeah, that's like the thing, the, isn't it? It's the phys- it's the physical device that you have to attach to yourself that is the barrier. But it's, it's not, and I, you know, I'm not. Maybe it's. I, I guess it is unusual now, but I tend to play with other people around. Yes, I can't share that experience with them. I'm not going to buy five helmets so they can no. all see it. You the, know, there's a certain social aspect to at least watching television. Um, I know Ben Kuchera, uh, now of Polygon, wrote uh, an opinion piece this week about how he feels virtual reality is the future and it will be in homes. And uh, I'll be honest, I didn't read it because I didn't have time, but I saw it created a huge amount of discussion. And the point that I came away with is so much of our entertainment experience is social. Um, You're watching television or movies with other people. You're having a shared experience. Whereas if you're putting on a virtual reality helmet, you're having a very personal experience that is personal to you. Um, So that's a little bit different. I I just, I don't, and like anything, it's we'll see. We'll see what happens when it comes out. And when the Connect, you know, Project Natal or Natal was announced, people sort of laugh that off too. Who wants to actually jump around in their living room? And it effectively gave the Xbox 360 a second life. It extended the life of the platform because it was so popular and so well regarded. Um, so who knows what it'll actually be like? But just thinking about it on the surface, like, and the way that I enjoy games, there's nothing about virtual reality that sounds appealing to me as an in-my-house thing. Something to go out to an arcade and try, sure, but I, I don't see that as a piece of, you know, consumer electronics. It, it just doesn't strike me that way. Well, on that note, um, let's see what's coming out and what's coming up. Uh, as a general reminder, Games with Gold for this month, uh, starting well now through the end of the month, you can pick up Deadlight, for free, if you're a member of Xbox Live Gold. Uh, I got to review Deadlight uh, when it came out a couple of summers ago. It's a fun game. Um, as I mentioned in the comments uh, of, I think, the announcement of Games with Gold, that I don't want to... Hindsight 2020, it's probably not a 5. With our new scale of evaluation, it's probably closer to a 4. Um, but it's still, for free, you got to definitely download and play that game. Easy completion, too. Yeah, um, I would say for free. But uh, Judgment Dragon, uh, again, frequent user of the site, 
uh, sent us a question. If you were in charge of games with gold, what sort of games would you offer? Which I think is a great question. Um, uh, I, I know I would try to find a way to offer games that somehow go hand in hand with upcoming games. So for instance, like South Park came out a couple months ago. I would have offered South Park Let's yeah. Go Tower Defense that month as a way to be like leading up to these game releases or um, at least finding a way to make more recent releases the games with gold because I'll be honest, uh, PlayStation Network is beating Microsoft's brains in with their free games mm-hmm. over what Microsoft is offering because PlayStation Network seems to offer games that are less than a year old with their free offerings and Microsoft games are typically more than a year old. Yeah, um, two to three years. Well, that was yeah. uh, Hitman Absolution, which was the first half of the month, I think was on the PlayStation Network like a year and a half ago yeah. wow. as one of their free offerings. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the obvious answer. If you, were to cha- if you were in charge of games with gold, you'd offer more current games to try to keep up with what Sony's offering. Um, but we don't know the process to this no. you know like they've obviously got to make agreements with the with yeah, the so developers sony, and... i'm sorry so have sony i mean oh yeah but a similar thing i don't running. yeah and and i think and i often say this too like well you got to keep in mind that the sony one is really a rental but let's be real when you're on xbox live gold are you going to let it lapse generally no right you're going to keep that forever so that's not a good reason to not offer a similar product um, so I, but there's gotta be some reason for it. Cause they obviously know they're getting killed in this. Mm. So there's, there's well, that's why they introduced reason. it in the first yeah. place. Cause there was nothing. Right. I think it's just, they're playing catch up and it, I think it will get better. I mean, it feels to me like it's getting better month on month. Well, they've said that they, they recently said, you know, we're trying to make it more in line with gamers expectations, mm. but two games a month doesn't match the like 12 over various Sony platforms that Sony offers. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the recency also, of course, is an issue. Um, but I, I don't know why that is. It's, it's it's not as simple as you know checking a button and making it fifty percent off or free. There, there's obviously more working to it, um, and hopefully they're they're working on making it par because they they really need to. It's just it's a great talking point for Sony that they have that, and part of why people do choose the PlayStation Four over the One now because PlayStation Four games are included right in the Sony. They are. Um, offering and we've never seen an Xbox One game included, other than I think Loco Cycle being permanently reduced in price. Being permanently. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Microsoft has said they're they're going to be doing games with gold for the Xbox One, but who knows when that's going to happen? That's yeah, well, if it's three years from now, it'll be in line with this. Yeah. But who wants to first get Dead Rising Three for free in 2017? Yeah, yeah. Plus, the, the games are so big; they take so long to download. <laughs> um. All right, so let's see uh, what's coming out. Um, just taking a look at the release calendar. Uh, next week, um, or actually taking a look on April 24th, you have the chance to pick up Bullet Soul Infinite Burst on the Xbox 360. Uh, Tuesday the 29th, you can pick up The Amazing Spider-Man 2 on 360, which there's rumblings that the Xbox One version is delayed and may be canceled, so this could be your only chance to pick that game up. Uh, Wednesday the 30th, Child of Light comes out on both the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. It's going to be an RPG developed by Ubisoft, so I may want to check that out. There you go, RPG on uh, Then we've got a little bit of a wait. <laughs> uh, Wednesday the 7th, Peggle 2 comes out for the 360. Um, I might buy it again. <laughs> Friday, May 9th, uh, Bound by Flame comes out for the 360. 
Uh, and then we got nothing until the end of May, when on the 20th, uh, Wolfenstein The New Order comes out on both platforms. And then the 27th is the big Watch Dogs Day. Yeah. So Now, keep in mind, all these days are North America. Yes, these are North American correct? dates, because I am so an, for the, an American. Add two days for European launches. Um, on that note, uh, you can be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow True Achievements at True Achievement. Uh, you can follow Rich at RichStone99. Uh, I am at OSU Blue Jacket. And if you want um, Michelle to spy on you, you can follow her at, at TA Matriarch. <laughs> Uh, it's TA underscore matrix. Okay. TA underscore matrix. Uh, you can also join the True Achievements Facebook group or our Google Plus Circle. Um, to wrap things up, once again, achievement challenges. Be sure to issue us challenges from FIFA World Cup for Rich, Connect Sports Rivals for Rich or Michelle, and XCOM The Bureau to Classified for me. I have ordered that game as we recorded this podcast, so it is on its Excellent. way. Huzzah! Uh, so, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, so on behalf of Rich, True Achievement, Michelle, Matrarch, hey. I am OSU Blue Jacket. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you back here next month. Mm-hmm.